He's just too meatball. All right. Let's do timeshares on John Oliver last week tonight. I got to pee. I'll be back. With it being spring break season, our main story tonight concerns vacations. A wonderful time to realize that you're in love with someone or realize that you are absolutely not. And be honest, you knew in the TSA line before the flight. Keep the streaming passwords for as long as you can, but do give back his grandmother's ring. Specifically, we're going to talk about timeshares. And some of you might be thinking, well, hold on, are you, are you going to tell me that they are a scam? Because surely everybody knows that. And it is true that the sketchiness of timeshare vacations has been a punchline on TV for years. You moron, these aren't free vacations. These are timesharing deals. They're total scams. These timeshare people, they don't stop until they sell you something. They, they prey on the weak and gullible, i.e. you. Perhaps you and your yellow friend would like to set up a timeshare plan. Don't do it, Sandy! I won't give in to your timeshare vacation scam! Yeah, suspicions about timeshare programs are so ubiquitous they can get laughs in children's programming. And look, obviously, SpongeBob was never going to say yes to a timeshare, otherwise they'd have had to change his theme song to this. Who lives in a pineapple under the sea Except for one week a year when he's in a studio in Key West still good. Oh, fuck did I come back to? Ring to it, does it? <laughs> but despite decades of mockery on TV, timeshares are a much bigger business than you may think. They're actually an $8.1 billion industry with nearly 10 million households owning one or more types of... Motherfucking old school drop shipping mixtured, uh, mixed with Airbnb ass classic fucking scheme scamas, dude timeshare and they can be sold by big hotel chains like Hyatt and Marriott as well as companies like Wyndham and Westgate Resorts. This is why I tell you all the time like a lot of these fucking con men existed throughout time. It's just that like they have adapted to the internet. This is literally straight up a fucking con. It is it, a scheme. One of the things that may have obscured their continued growth is that they're not always called timeshares now. In recent years, they've been rebranded as vacation clubs or vacation ownership plans. And while traditionally you'd buy a timeshare that consisted of one week every year at, say, a condo in Florida, nowadays, companies offer floating weeks that can theoretically be used anytime 3am. And then if we still had some energy left, we'd throw a few claps to hospital workers at 7 for whatever they were doing. But the fact is, timeshares don't save lives. In fact, in many cases, they can fuck them up because they are incredibly easy to get into, but as you will see, incredibly hard to get out of. So tonight, let's talk about timeshares. And let's start with the first thing that you probably already know about them, that they tend to be sold in person, aggressively, and while you're already on vacation, often by suckering people into agonizingly long sales presentations with the promise of a free gift. There are so many horror stories out there, like the woman whose parents was subjected to a seven-hour sales pitch that ended with them spending more than $10,000 on a timeshare, or the person who signed an agreement following a five-hour presentation because, quote, I'm a diabetic. After five hours, I just gave in. I needed something to eat, and I do get that. Listen to a timeshare presentation is dead last on the list of things that I want to do for five straight hours right after watching Avatar The Way of Water, <laughs> telling children that their pet hamster was eaten by their other pet hamster and that neither one ever knew the child in question existed, and, of course, hearing other people talk about watching Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> the problem is, though, once you are in that room, 
companies can go to extreme lengths to get you to commit on the spot. Just watch as that Westgate executive encourages his staff to stop at nothing to make a sale. Our number one person in Orlando owns several weeks of timeshare. You know, you should own at least one week yourselves. And if you don't, lie and say you do. <laughs> don't let these people leave here without buying something. Something. I don't know what is more alarming there, that he knew a camera crew was filming and still instructed his sales team to lie, or that he knew that and willingly wore that shirt. Because what the fuck is... Bro, I know everyone's going to say, Hassan, you wear shirts like that, which, like, kills me, okay? It kills me. It's, like, partially the reason why I stopped wearing anything that has, like, a weird pattern on it. Because I'm so fucking embarrassed by the type of dudes that look to like every complicated pattern and go you would wear that shit i would literally burn that shirt in a fucking forest fire okay i would never in a million uh, the only way i would wear a shirt that resembles that is if it's made by a coke brother or a, a coke nephew actually and you sent it to me in a p.o box and I wore it as a joke one fucking time, which is what happened. I, I have done that. But, like, it, it is so, like, this kind of shit I would have never, yeah after, yeah, after you are doing, wearing it to Coachella? No. No. You guys literally don't fucking understand. You got a personal buyer now? Don't lie. I do not. But thank you. It's like when people say address the Botox allegations. It makes me happy. It's like a compliment. That is actually a, an unironic compliment. I hate that people see that I wear patent, uh, patterned shirts and think it's always the same. Is that thing? He looked like someone ate a Persian rug and then threw up on it. He looks like the mascot for divorce. <laughs> Lying is actually a key strategy for many timeshare salespeople. They will lie about everything from the ease of making reservations to the total cost of the timeshare. According to a lawsuit against Wyndham, salespeople even had an acronym, TAFT, which stood for Tell Them Any Frigging Thing. And come on, at this point, just say fucking, because it's one thing to lie, it's another to do that while talking like a middle schooler who's in the car with their mom but still trying to sound hard. <laughs> but the thing is, lying is basically allowed in this industry. Many timeshare agreements contain a clause that absolves the developer from responsibility for anything sale reps say. It's often referred to by attorneys as the salesman's license to lie clause. And look, I, I get that sales reps bullshit customers constantly. It happens to me every time a Wabi Parker employee tells me, you look so cool. <laughs> but you wouldn't expect them to be able to lie about something as objective as how much a thing will cost. Now, the good news is, depending on where you made your purchase, you can have between three and ten days to rescind your signature. But, remember, a lot of people sign up for timeshares on vacation. So that time, time may expire before they get home or have a chance to have a lawyer look at the contract. And this would be less of an issue if people generally loved their timeshares. But a study found that 85% of timeshare owners regret their purchase. 
which is a rate of regret on par with people who bought teacup pigs, only to realise that teacup pigs don't really exist. What do exist are baby pigs that grow into a 90-pound piece of livestock that can suffocate your cat. And at this point... From what I understand, by the way, teacup pigs are, are, or, like, micro pigs still grow to, like, 60 pounds minimum, I think. There's no such thing as, like, an actual teacup pig. They just don't stay that way. Let's talk about why people might regret buying a timeshare. And the first major reason, unsurprising... Build out the Ethan? Oh, no. Don't do it. Oh, no. I don't think... I don't think Ethan understands. There's no such thing as, like... Yeah, there's no such thing as a teacup pig. They're just... They're just babies. Like... What people call micro pigs are still 60 pounds. Like, which is like the tiniest pig you can get. Like the tiniest as it grows up is like still going to be 60 pounds. His pigs will eat his dogs, dude. Versus like an actual pig being like, I don't know, a couple hundred pounds. You were talking about teacup pigs in Japan, bro. No, those pigs are still not actually teacup pigs. They're just baby pigs. And I'm pretty sure I brought that up. Even at the... There's no such thing as like a small pig. People don't realize that. I know. I thought you didn't know they were just piglets. Yeah, there's no, there is no such thing as a actual fucking uh, teacup pig. That's not a thing. And I'm pretty sure I brought it up when we went to the pig cafe as well. Please do not buy a pig. Don't do it. Do not buy a pig. Don't. You do not know what it takes to raise a pig. Ethan wants his pig to grow to 300, 400 pounds. Why do you know this? What do you mean? It's like cute shit. Of course I know this because one, influencers used to fucking buy pigs thinking that there is such a concept. People, like there's been news stories about it. People buying like what they consider to be teacup pigs thinking that they're going to stay that size and then having to like try and raise it in a fucking uh, uh, apartment. Pigs are not pets, they're farm animals. I mean, farm animals could be pets too, as long as you have a fucking farm. Parrots also live to be like 50 plus. Don't buy a parrot unless you're like a big bird person. Wait, really? It's weird how science hasn't created mini pigs yet through selective breeding. Well, <laughs> I think partially because it kind of goes against like the entire reason why humans have domesticated or at least like in some way, shape or form raised pigs. We want them to be bigger. I think I believe you understand why we want them to be bigger. We have genetically modified them and done selective breeding just in the Opposite direction. You know, so we can eat them.
surprisingly, is cost. Because the upfront cost for a one-week annual timeshare vacation can average around $24,000. But that is just the beginning. Because on top of that come other expenses like maintenance fees, which typically go up every year and at high-value resorts can run from $2,500 to $3,500 per year. And you are on the hook for those costs, whether you use your timeshare or not. Which actually brings us to another major problem, because if what you bought is points or a floating week plan, you still need to book time at your resort, which can be unexpectedly hard. Just as to this man explain his attempts to book a vacation at the Westgate timeshare that he bought in Branson, Missouri, six years earlier. The first year... I call a month in advance mm -hmm. to say, you're calling, you're giving us a very short notice. So year two, they called six months in advance. You're calling too early. Year three, they called two months in advance, but we're told they called too late. Again, you can still go, but... Uh, we have to charge you like any other person. So far, the Nasirs have spent more than $15,000 for a timeshare they've... This man looks like a mark. Yeah, no shit. He bought a fucking timeshare in what, Missouri? Yeah. The, he bought a timeshare. Of course he's a mark. And he bought a timeshare in Missouri, which is like... Like triple mark. You know? never spent a single night in. When the Nasirs complained to Westgate, they were told they would have an easier time using their timeshare if they upgraded to a better plan for an no. additional $15,000. Yeah, that's not great, is it? Being asked to pay $15,000 for something that you've only seen in pictures is not a timeshare. That's an expensive and remarkably niche OnlyFans account. <laughs> But Westgate's response is pretty common across the industry. Once you buy a timeshare, the pitch is you really need to upgrade to get the most or possibly anything out of your purchase. And these upgrades are a fundamental part of the business model. At one investment conference, Marriott stated that every $30,000 spent on the purchase of a new timeshare should generate an extra $20,000 from upgrades after just five years. So it's hardly surprising that companies frequently pressure people to pay for upgrades, sometimes with the exact same aggressive tactics that got them to buy the timeshare in the first place. Customers of Wyndham Resorts have said that whenever they'd go on vacation, they'd be forced into so-called owner update meetings, where they were then pressured to spend more like this woman. The 76-year-old widow is deep in debt, owing more than $175,000 after she claims she was repeatedly tricked and harassed into buying timeshare points. Folds also claims in her lawsuit Wyndham sales reps told her things to convince her to buy more points that ended up not being true. If I would just sign it, then they could lower the interest rates. Is that in fact what happened? No. No. She says Wyndham salespeople also told her the company would buy back any extra points she didn't use. And that, too, she later found, wasn't exactly as it had been explained. Were you surprised to discover that? Very surprised. Not only surprised, he may need to bleep this out. I was mad as hell. Wow! <laughs> she is pissed there! I know mad as hell might not sound that extreme. Praying on the elderly uh, is pretty much uh, a good descriptor of, uh, like, multiple robust industries. Whether it be uh, end-of-life care, whether it be insurance schemes, whether it be uh, a fuckload of, like, uh, industries built on robocalls, this is what we do. 
they are in many ways some of the only fucking group of people that have like disposable income and, and certainly not because of social security but because of like the the you know baby boomer uh baby boom era uh levels of like wealth accumulation so that's it they are like the last remaining bastion of people who actually do have like some level of assets so uh they get preyed on regularly they're also you know not with the times obviously i mean oh wait before i forget the largest scam for boomers the gop before i forget of course yes that is probably the largest uh, scam that you could ever engage in which is the republican party and voting for the Republican Party. Fox News, another one. Great. Dream to us delinquents on HBO. <laughs> but coming from a 76-year-old woman in Tennessee, that's equivalent of a child screaming motherfucker through a bullhorn at an <laughs> elementary school. It's that level of intensity. So between fees and the constant pressure to pay for upgrades, you can see how people might end up regretting their purchase. Even those who initially enjoyed their timeshare might end up wanting to get rid of it, either because they're getting older and not wanting to travel as much, or they're just getting tired of going to the same place. But the problem is, whatever your reason for wanting to leave a timeshare, you will soon realise it is very hard to do that. And that is because many agreements contain a so-called perpetuity clause. That means that the purchase, as well as all those regular maintenance fees, are a non-cancellable lifetime obligation. That is... How is that not illegal, dog? Isn't the FTC actually moving on this and other insane contracts like this? First time I ever got, uh, you know, a shit credit score, despite the fact that I do not have a credit card, was because I signed up to a gym. And then I cancelled on the phone... And yet they did not cancel my gym membership, despite the fact that I canceled on the phone. Now, of course, the, the, the uh, fun little part of that is that they can get away with it because if you're signing up for a shit-ass gym that's like $15, $20 a month, this was in New Jersey, and I literally moved away, so I was like, well, I, I don't live here anymore. You know what I mean? I fucking live in... I, I, I live in, in uh, California where your gym does not exist. Um, basically, uh, I think it was Workout World, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Drop the gym name. Yeah, this was a long-ass fucking time ago, but I think it was like WoW, probably. It might have been WoW. Anyway, there is no, there is no fucking uh, Workout World in California. Actually, it was a decent gym. In New Jersey, you get, like, a lot better gym quality for a lot cheaper. At least back in the day, it was like that. So, they can get away with just keeping you on the hook even after you've literally fucking called in and phoned it in and canceled your membership because what are you going to do? You're paying $15 a month. You're clearly not, like, super fucking caked up. What are you going to do? Are you going to sue them? No, you're fucked. They send it off to a collections agency when you cancel your credit card and there's no, or debit card and there's nothing you can do about it because what are you going to do? Do you have enough money to, to, to hire a lawyer? No. You're fucking cooked. Same principle behind deposits when you're renting. I never got my deposit back when I was renting until I was rich. 
Okay? That's it. When I actually had money, they gave me my whole fucking deposit back. Why? Because now I have time and now I have financial security to be able to actually fight back. It's fucking insane. And luckily, now, click the cancel rule would penalize companies that make you cancel by phone. You can click the subscribe, but you have to call by fucking, uh, you have to call to, to cancel it. Sometimes they don't even cancel it. I've always had good luck on deposit even before I was making money, but a lot of my friends had issues with it. Yeah, that is not the common experience. I'll be honest. Yeah, gym memberships are hard as fuck to cancel. You're like kind of stuck with them for life in many ways. And they also make it intentionally confusing. They make it seem like you actually canceled when you didn't. Really fucked up. Planet Fitness is the worst of them all. You can go into cancel and they send and send them or send them certified mail. Yeah. It's just so fucked. It's so fucked. It's called a deposit, man. It's not like additional cherry on top for you, you fucking piece of shit. Scumbag, dude. Fucking scumbag. How do renting deposits work in the U.S.? In New Zealand, we have a government agency that handles them. I wonder why there is a whole-ass government agency that handles deposits. Perhaps because capital owners are going to do capital owner shit. Landlords are going to do landlord shit universally. So the government said, okay, no, you're not doing this any longer. Because when you think about it, when you think about it, it's like one month or two months in some instances, or at least one and a half months uh, rent that they get out of you. They also, unless you fight tooth and fucking nail, will try to literally take money from you when you're transitioning out of the house. You know what I mean? Like they'll, they'll be like, oh, well, you, uh, you gave your 30 days notice, but like technically, uh, you know, it's actually the first day of the month. So we're going to try to fucking uh, get the extra month out of you. And it's like, no, this is a 30 day notice. Like, fuck you. You have to prorate it. If you want to take more money out of me, you need to fucking prorate it. So they try to milk you as much as they can. And when you think about it, it's like they're getting in some instances, two, maybe three months of rent for free out of you that you didn't even fucking pay for that accumulates over time like that's a crazy amount of money that they're making so the government probably had to step in in new zealand and decide you know we can't do this any longer then they find you the docu for that they have to fix oh that's the best part like for example what constitutes for normal wear and tear in an apartment uh or what is actually an issue within the apartment that your landlord is supposed to fix while you're living there and you've made numerous Numerous mentions. You've called them numerous times to say, hey, this is fucked up. Fix it. This is fucked up. Fix it. They will charge you for it when you fucking leave the goddamn apartment. I'm like, dog, you 
didn't clean it when you were supposed to. When I was living here, you didn't fix it. What the fuck do you mean? You didn't fix it when I asked you to. You were supposed to do it, and now you're charging me for it. You're taking it out of my deposit. So, yeah. This is some of the many reasons why landlords are just fucking scumbags. Isn't that illegal? Brother, in the United States of America, nothing is illegal, okay? If you are, what are you going to go? Take it to fucking housing court or whatever? Yeah, good luck. The landlord already has an ex uh, existing relationship with a fucking lawyer. The landlord and the, and the lawyering, the lawyering, <laughs> the landlord and their fucking uh, legal representation that is on retainer for a landlord is already in really good uh, standing with the fucking court. They will force you to go into court when uh, at a really, really unfortunate time. That is if you can get out of work to go to court to begin with. Okay, what the fuck are you going to do? Nothing. Nothing. Can't do anything. Except, yeah, call your local legal aid organization. There are obviously renters unions and things of that nature as well. But, you know. What do I always say? When you steal from the poor, you become rich. When you steal from the rich, well, you go to jail. which is ridiculous. A contract for a vacation shouldn't be harder to get out of than fucking Scientology. <laughs> Where's Shelley, by the way? I'm sure she's fine, but uh, where is Shelley? <laughs> now, some developers claim to have programs where they'll take a timeshare back, but there is a lot of fine print there, including the fact that they're often only available at the developer's discretion and could involve paying a significant... Okay, Hasanami, most landlords do not have a lawyer on retainer. Most landlords own a couple properties, not enough to retain a lawyer. Okay, even fucking, like... First of all, no, that's not true. A lot of people will buy a fucking apartment and then put it under a management corporation, a management group, because the reality is they don't want to fucking deal with that shit. Because if they were actually managing it like the way you just described it, the mom and pop landlord, they would have a really fucking hard time probably shellacking their own, uh, you know, renters, okay? It's infinitely easier to just turn around and hand it off to a fucking management housemaster 22. What the fuck? Not true. Literally, as a landlord, won't charge. Fuck you. Talking about their own personal abuse in America. Not true. Yeah, you're so right. A lot of... Landlords in America, in places that I've lived, even if they buy a fucking apartment, okay, it could be a nest egg or something like that, okay, what they will end up doing is put it under a management group, okay, specifically because it's much easier for them. They take a percentage of the profit and they have their own fucking, uh, you know, uh, apartment manager, basically, who's also going to do the work of the landlord, which is nothing, right? 
They they literally will let someone live in the apartment complex to just fucking <laughs> to just basically tell you to fuck off, but it, you know, put a personal human face to the fuck you, okay? A retired baseball player bought my old apartment complex in the hood in Brooklyn and then pawned it off to a management agency raising the rent for all 258 units. Yep. Management groups are not profitable for someone who only owns a couple properties. <sighs> Management companies employing resident managers are fucking insane levels of middle manning, but it's just more capital's innovation for you. Hey, somebody's got to do it. Anyway. Even if it is a landlord himself or themselves, and it seems like I got a lot of TikTok landlords in the chat, okay? Only a couple properties Andy's in the chat. Ultimately, it feels a lot worse to fucking uh, charge someone rent when you see them face-to-face, -face, I feel, okay? You, you develop an understanding of, of their situation, that's part of the reason, I think, that people uh, use management firms. Regardless, though. Regardless. I still think that in a perfect society, there would be no need for landlording. Um, you can do commercial real estate if you want, but there would be no need for landlording as a nest egg. Uh, or anything like that because your social security would take care of it. Your pensions would take care of it. Also on top of that, in a uh, perfect society, we would decommoditize housing. Okay? If you want to, still fucking uh, have like high quality luxury housing that you want to be a fucking landlord of in a situation like that, Sure, I guess, if that's what you uh, get off on. But at the very least, there should be... It, it. My goal always, and I've said this before, is just to decommodify or decommoditize. I don't know which one is the apt way to describe it. Is to decommodify housing so that it is as expensive as humanly possible to try and be a landlord. Okay? Because shelter is... A human right. You cannot live without shelter. You just can't. That's why, unfortunately, it's seen as one of the most viable ways of wealth generation. That's why so many fucking dipshits on TikTok constantly talk about how they're landlords and how they're killing it and yada, yada, yada. That's it. Because the American government, and in all of its endless neoliberal sensibility, thought we should do everything we can to protect home ownership, okay? And then decided somewhere along the way that uh, the best way to protect home ownership also happened to, to make homes one of the greatest vehicles of, of uh, you know, asset uh Wealth management, one of the greatest vehicles for individuals, not obviously like super rich people who will turn around and, you know, dump their, uh, dump their wealth into the stock market.
There are a million different ways that you can use your home as a tax shelter uh, or, or reduce your tax burden. There are a million different ways. Like once you are able to purchase a home, um, there are so many different ways that you could genuinely generate income off of your home. Okay? And the irony is, well, one, I know all of it. Uh, I, I choose not to practice it. But the irony always is, and I've talked about this before when I bought the house originally, is that the mortgage that you put is not, not all that expensive in comparison to how much you'd be paying in rent. Okay? As a matter of fact, in, in many instances, the mortgage on uh, this house is significantly cheaper than how much this house would cost if I rented it. And at the end of that, at the end of my, my mortgage, I own this thing. Even if I uh, own it with debt currently, I could technically sell it. You know what I mean? Wait, are you stuck in a timeshare? What? No. Can you play the fucking video, bro? You know, you could just like... Yeah, it's the problem is the down payment is uh, uh, what most people do not have. And the system is created in a way where you literally can't accrue enough capital to put a down payment. That's the issue. <sighs> Rent is always less inefficient. Being poor is actually expensive. Yes. Fee, which sometimes can be equivalent to two years of maintenance fees. And if the company won't take it back, good luck. Because it can be hard, if not impossible, to sell a timeshare. In fact, the resale site Redweek shows a number of them being sold for literally zero dollars. And keep that in mind anytime anyone says that a timeshare is an investment. Investments are supposed to gain value. A timeshare is as sound an investment as opening a Ghislaine Maxwell-themed restaurant. <laughs> Ghillies, when you're here, you're in danger. <laughs> and all this actually gets one step worse, thanks to something that's often framed as a selling point for timeshares. It's a great feeling to know that our grandchildren, when we're not around, yeah. um, will be enjoying it. It will yeah. be our legacy to them. Even as we pass on. It's so sad. I mean, these people are paid right marketing you're right about homeownership but interest rates really do change that calculation sure but you can also always uh you know refinance your home again one of the millions of different readily available tools at your disposal when you have a level of wealth accumulation that's my point poor people don't have those tools Whenever there's a new way to at least lighten the burden off of the shoulders of the working poor, Republicans immediately destroy it. Or the, the little amount that uh, is already in existence in perpetuity is being slowly but surely crippled and, and uh, you know, whittled away. That is capitalism. That's how social democracies still end up turning into hyper-capitalist dystopian shitholes. It's currently happening in Europe all around. Because capital owners are never going to stop 
wanting to increase their profit margins. And they built these uh, systems. They built these governments. So, of course, they expect a return on that investment as well. And in many instances, they don't even think about they don't even think about it like, oh, I built this. Rich people built this country. They just do it because that is what is taught in school. That is what is taught by other successful, wealthy capitalists. Can't get shit till your family members die even then. You don't get much because they never cared. I mean, there's not a lot remaining probably at the end of your your family members lives let's be real so it's always like this every single get rich scheme on tiktok is exactly the fucking same they never tell you the hardest part they never tell you how to get the first down payment because once you secure the first down payment it's over you know what i mean if you have enough, if you have enough for a fucking down payment, you can get together with a couple people even and, you know, purchase a home. Hopefully it has like multiple rooms. Rent out one of the fucking rooms to at least lighten the burden of the fucking mortgage. Okay. And then ultimately, uh, the property value will go up because it's, uh, it's, it's kept that way. Property values are, are always going up. Because there's no new development or the new developments are different kinds of developments or, uh, you know, luxury high rises or whatever. It's never you're there's there's never like an infinite supply of new housing that's immediately and readily available. No, you no hate, but you're just being salty because you don't realize that most landlords aren't demons. They just use multiple slurp juices on their land and it became an apartment. <laughs> Good. There are first-time home buyer programs to the U.S. government. I bought my house with zero percent down. I mean, yeah, but uh, you're still getting fucking shellacked on the mortgage on that one. Like you're paying so much more, or you're a veteran. <laughs> He's saying there are first-time home buyer programs to the U.S. government. Just fucking join the military, dog. So making landlording viable, not viable, is the correct way to fight this? Yes. Are you going to address the Howard thing? What is the Howard thing? Howard D's nuts? Oh, my God. I live in a townhouse. My landlord has raised my rent $50 over four years. Nice guy, but an abnormality. Turns around, turn around and the management company has towed our cars three to four times, all under the guise of the tenant, not owner. After paying the roaming fee, why would I seek legal recourse? I have no money. I 
I mean, we will never live in a dystopian society, which is why capitalism is seen as beneficial. Fuck do you mean? We are living in the dystopian society. Look at what I just described to you. America is the greatest nation on earth if you're rich. If you're middle class or, or working class poor, you're fucked. You're constantly swimming against the fucking current, trying to survive, trying to make ends meet. There's no, there's nothing that you can do to like, squeeze a fucking dollar to, to save your life. And those who actually do become rich, those who actually do, uh, you know, uh, gain a level of financial independence, oftentimes do it because one, they have uh, intergenerational wealth. Okay, more often than not, this is the this is the way that they do it. And I don't mean like their parents died and left them a fucking inheritance. So don't give me that dumbass Ben Shapiro argument. Okay? Or they get incredibly lucky. Right place, right time. Sure, they're hardworking, but still profoundly lucky. And no matter how lucky you get... You still have dumb motherfuckers in the chat going bro tips, still bro tips. Like, dog, 2012, man, 2012. It's a satirical fucking uh, bit that I did in 2012. Like, that's so sad, brother. You're like, you're like one step removed from offing everything. You know what I mean? Just ending it all. If you're just still on this shit, it's crazy. Anyway. It's something that we can continue to give to our children. It's a gift that will keep on giving beyond us. Now that we have two children, it's kind of exciting that we know that our credits will never go to waste. It will still be in our family through our boys. Okay, one of those boys seems happy about that, but the other one <laughs> does seem pissed and much more interested in the upside-down construction truck that he's holding. And he's honestly right, because if there's one thing to take away from this episode, it's that if you have a choice between a timeshare and an upside-down truck, take the truck every time. <laughs> At least you technically own that. But given everything that you've seen so far, you won't be surprised to hear that many people aren't super keen on inheriting a timeshare. And while you can technically decline it, that can be much, much harder to do than you might think. Walking away does take work. Namely, you must file a disclaimer of interest with the court saying that you reject the timeshare. You only have nine months after the death of your loved one to file it. And even then, it's not that simple. You see, when the first person in line rejects the timeshare, it goes to the next in line, and then the next, and the next. Every single person has to file all of that paperwork. It's true. Every single person. And timeshare paperwork clearly isn't what grieving families need. It is pretty upsetting to think that there might genuinely be a market for sympathy cards that say, I'm sorry for your loss, but also move fast if you don't want to get stuck with the fees on your dead mom's Hilton Head 2 bedroom. <laughs> and all of this brings us to what might be the right. most surprising thing here. Timeshares are so difficult to get rid of, a whole separate industry has now cropped up, known as the timeshare exit industry. You may have seen ads on TV for them or upbeat segments on local stations like these for a company called Timeshare Termination Team, where they can get a pretty strong endorsement. 
Colorado's local timeshare termination team has a 100% success rate. Joining us, trusted advisors Brian and Holly Wilbur with the first steps you need to take to legally get out of your timeshare. I'll be honest, I know I said this before too, I didn't think this was possible, but it <laughs> actually is. Now that sounds pretty great, doesn't it? The basic pitch of exit companies is for an upfront fee, they'll either resell your timeshare or get you out of your contract. And given how critical they are of the timeshare industry, you might assume that they are the good guys in this story. Unfortunately, they are very much not, which you probably already suspected after that woman claimed a 100% success rate, because <laughs> that's one of those phrases that's just an automatic red flag, like endorsed by Dr Oz or <laughs> Forbes cover model. It just immediately raises suspicions. Also, you should know, while that sure looks like the news, crucially, it and all those shows you just saw are sponsored content programmes. We did a story on them a couple of years ago, and it's where local stations will allow you to buy your way into fake segments that look like news but are, in fact, ads. We actually bought our way onto that exact show <laughs> on Denver 7 to sell a Nazi fuck blanket. And if you missed that story, go back and watch the whole thing, because that was one hell of a sentence that's missing about 21 minutes of context. Anyway... <laughs> As it turns out, Timeshare Termination Team was even sketchier than our Third Reich fuck fleece because not, not long after that, Denver 7's actual news team had this story to report. Debbie hired the company in June 2019. In all, she paid more than $14,000. Signed a contract, a two-year contract, that ended this last June. Well, under the terms of the contract, if they don't resolve my issue, I can get a refund. Two years came and went. That's when she went looking for answers. And so I came to came to see them and it's empty. The signs are still up on this office in Greenwood Village. <laughs> but there's no employees. The furniture is gone. Wow. First, I'm not sure it was totally necessary to force her to go back and knock on the glass of a clearly <laughs> empty office, but I'm very glad that they did. But second, that is a 19th century snake oil salesman level scam. They just disappear. Yeah, again, it's just, it's, it's, all, it's old school. They have always existed. This has always existed. It's not, it's not new. And now we have newer versions of this. Appeared. One moment they were there. The crypto, crypto fucking scams are literally the same exact shit next they were suddenly gone with no warning like a ghost or a tv show on hbo max <laughs> everything's fine at this company everything's fine and unfortunately that is by no means a one-off as one consumer advocate puts it i don't like generalizations so i'll say that 99 percent of them don't do what they say they will or worse are out and out scams but you know what I do like generalization, so I'm happy to say timeshare exit companies are total bullshit. A lot of follow the same basic pattern that you just saw. They'll charge an upfront fee and then either stall indefinitely or fully disappear. And they are taking advantage of people on a massive scale. In Missouri, one group of companies stands accused of deceiving consumers into paying more than $90 million for exit services that were not delivered. And while that case is still pending, all of these other companies have gone under in recent years. And I know that these exit companies might seem immediately suspicious to you now, but they have slick marketing and have also been endorsed by some supposedly financially savvy people. In fact, Dave Ramsey, the popular personal finance guru who, to his credit, has been a vocal critic of timeshares, actually gave one exit company a ringing endorsement. 
timeshare exit team will get you out of their timeshare. Now, you're going to pay them money to do that. That's what they do. And they charge you up front, and they give you your money back guarantee if they don't get you out, but they'll get you out. Well, that sounds trustworthy, doesn't it? And after all, why wouldn't you take the word of a man? Wait. This fucking asshole actually shills timeshares? Wait. Mr. Christian Finance, uh, you know, end your debate. Fuck your wife. Uh, sell your worldly possessions to make sure you eviscerate uh, all matter of debt is... Oh, he shills the exit companies. God, capitalism is such a fucking innovative form of, of economic prosperity, economic organization of society. It's just like you create a fucking product that's not really a product. It's a scam. And then you fucking permalock dumb old motherfuckers into that scam. And then you create a secondary product to get you out of that scam, which in and of itself is also a fucking scam. And then you have another scamming ass motherfucker who's like also religious on top of that, acting like he's the goddamn savior, shilling that fucking scam. Oh, holy shit, dude. Every part of this, every part of this is so just insanely fucked. David Ramsey is classist and racist and a bald. It is... Dude, what 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 you are watching in front of you? Oh my God, are they owned by the same fuck? Is it owned by the timeshare company? Tell me the fucking timeshare companies are invested in the exit companies. I'm gonna lose my mind if that's the case. This is literally Purdue Pharmaceutical creating OxyContin and then shilling it, lying to the fucking doctors, lying to the fucking public, setting up clinics and and. And, and studies that specifically fund, uh, you know, pain relief and pain management, creating an entire industry in medicine revolving around pain management, then, you know, oops, well, here's how you're going to fucking, uh, here's how you're going to, uh, to, to deal with pain management. The best way to do it is heroin. And then selling the incredibly addictive fucking product, turning around and, and uh, getting, uh, uh, you know, creating a gigantic problem and basically, the only solution to that problem is another drug that you have to fucking take, which is, you know, uh, is it Suboxidone that they make? They also own it. They also own the second drug that you use to get off the fucking heroin. Oh, shit. Suboxone. Sheesh getting horned up thinking about it i love capitalism baby yeah methadone suboxone and and uh methadone is like the two leading drugs that you take which is like you know is a heroin light yeah nothing personal kid just business whose look and general vibe answers the question what if billy joel and dr phil had a kid and it sucked <laughs> but but not long after that the Washington State AG sued Timeshare Exit Team, claiming, among other things, that the majority of its customers either did not receive their promised exit, received one that caused them unanticipated negative financial or other consequences, or received an exit that the customer could have obtained for themselves. The company eventually... Or you drive a fucking Lambo? <laughs> I love when some dumb motherfucker online mentions me and all their little... Little freaks come in here and just like 
shit up the place. First of all, it's not a Lamborghini. It's a Porsche. Okay? Much nicer drive. Much smoother. Secondly, my financial circumstances do not change the reality of the things that I am talking about. You are in the predicament that I'm currently... But you are failing to recognize in this circumstance, okay, is that you're yelling at the guy telling you the situation at hand instead of going, hey, maybe, yeah, maybe this guy's got something going on. Maybe he's telling me the truth about the situation at hand. Nope. Instead, you just want to get mad. Go off. I have nothing against it. Why'd you bring it up while I was talking about how fucking Purdue Pharmaceutical is, you know, uh, making money by doubling up. Bro, the Porsche is insane. The handle is like gliding on water. Wait, what? No, it's not. Shooting the messenger in 2023. Because you are killing it, bro. I am not killing anything. The only thing I kill it is the top of the hour ad break when I serve it to you and you go, what the fuck? I was not, I was not expecting that. But fear not. You can avoid those ads if you subscribe for $5 or for free. Close to Twitch Prime, that is. Or by getting gifted a sub if you're lucky. Here's the three-minute ad break now. Going right into the Lambo fun, baby. Actually shut down, but only after it was forced to pay $2.6 million in restitution. And if you're thinking any of that gave Dave Ramsey pause for reflection, you should know it did not. Because after Inside Edition did a segment covering timeshare exit team's issues and questioning his endorsement of them, he pushed back like this. I didn't know you could buy a story on Inside Edition. I didn't, I didn't think you all were that. I knew you were tabloid, but I didn't know you were that low. Or are you just so dumb that you didn't understand you were on the wrong side of this argument on the basis of the consumer? So this is why Timeshare is not on the air anymore. Timeshare exit team. But guess who's still on the air? Me. <laughs> Me. And I'm sitting in a $300 million paid-for building. Neck deep in cash, you jerks. <laughs> yeah! That is champion of the working people. I bet nobody yells at this guy for being super fucking rich, dude. Dave Ramsey bragging about being neck deep in cash to his own viewers who got caught up in a scam that he actively promoted. Yeah, he's just like me, bro. He's just like me. I'm also sitting in a $300 million building. All while having his hands like this. A pose used almost exclusively by cartoon supervillains plotting ways to kill Batman. But the thing is, there is no right side to be on here. Timeshare companies and timeshare exit companies are both terrible. One is a shitty business model that's somehow technically legal, and the other is oftentimes an out-and-out -out scam. But neither is good. And it's very important not to lose sight of the fact that beneath all of this are people who can get victimised, and in some cases, twice. If you watch a lot of stories about these companies, it is heartbreaking just how often the people in them talk about how ashamed they feel about falling for this. Nobody in my family knows. Nobody. Makes you feel bad when you think you've done something that's stupid. Well, we bought the timeshare, which took us to the cleaners, and it just it made me feel stupid. It doesn't make me too good. You know, it's like, I, I think I'm smarter than that. Yeah, I get that, but to be clear, the shame here should not be on the people who were... That's so fucked. It should be on the industries that exploited them, told them any frigging thing they wanted to, 
and abuse their understandable desire just to take a fucking break. So, what can we do here? Well, on the off chance that anyone watching right now is considering a timeshare, don't do it. <laughs> if you know so Don't do it, chatters. Someone considering it, send them this segment. If you happen to inherit a timeshare, get rid of it as fast as possible. And if it's too late and you're stuck with it, you can try and give it away for zero dollars online. But the truth is you'll only be fucking someone else over then. Unfortunately, the best option might actually be to call the timeshare company and see if there is any chance that they will take it back from you. As for exit companies, as you have seen, there's been sporadic legal action against individual companies. But by and large, it is a whack-a-mole ecosystem. When one goes down, another one tends to pop right up. So the truth is, the best bet right now seems to be to make sure that we all warn each other about just how fucked up this whole industry is. Or, I suppose, we could go another way with it. And if you can't beat them, join them. So joining me now for a special sponsored segment that she may or may not have paid $3,000 for, please welcome back to the